Welcome to Bid First Byte, a weekly podcast about the web industry, tools and techniques upcoming and in use today. My name is Adam Listek, a web developer from Northern California and Central Illinois. So no real news this week, uh, at least for me to report, as I'm traveling and it's hard to predict what the news might be. So in lieu of that, I've just collected some more useful resources that hopefully might be of good use out there for you folks. So getting into those, um, a couple of different ones here. The first one up uh, is something called Filmstro. Uh, I stumbled across this and not really needing it, but I bookmarked anyway because it looks interesting, especially for some projects I want to do in the begin or in the future. But it's it's not a traditional web design resource. But if you need to make video or you need background music, it's a library of royalty free music, and it's royalty free. Uh, well, it's free free for 90 second clips of their music uh, which is great for youtube videos uh, or if you need for podcasts and that kind of thing if you need them longer or more capabilities where you can do tweaking of the audio and remix certain things you can purchase a subscription but for 90 seconds of quality uh, music especially a few that you could maybe chain together depending on what you're trying to do it's pretty awesome Uh, something to check out Another sound type of one is the BBC sound effects. Uh, if you need sound effects that are also royalty free, look at this library. It's got a lot of interesting variations for videos, podcasts, etc. But these really are only free for your personal use, though. Um, but it's, it's reasonable cost if you find one you really do want uh, for commercial because it seems like they're only about five bucks each. And if you're really not doing this very often or needing it too often, it's not that bad a deal. Um, but they're pretty unique. There's like, you know, honestly, like things about uh, jungle recordings or machine from the early years. Like it, it's a very varied set of um, sound effects that might really come in use depending on what you're trying to do. Honestly, it's something that's like under a Ken Burns documentary. But hey, you never know when you might need something like that. A useful tool if you're doing CSS animations, and I've started diving into these a lot more uh, than I used to, uh, but something called keyframes.app, that's the actual website name, and it's got a web application and Chrome extension as well called keyframes, and it makes it super easy to make a CSS animation. I don't honestly have to remember all the different aspects of how to do this. You just kind of plop down a couple keyframes, and you can see whatever uh, object or um, thing that you're trying to animate, do that in real time. Uh, just play it, tweak it, and see what you can do. It's really cool, makes things heck of a lot easier, especially for a simpler, but even to kind of more complex animations. Check it out. If you're a Slack user, um, there is, uh, they've got a lot of stuff for their API. But one thing I've been really watching over the past year or so is there various uh, ways that they're trying to integrate outside tools uh, into their chat application and how they're doing it? One of those things is called Slack Actions. So what this is is you have the ability to find certain actions. So you can click, I think, on the, like, the three dots next to a message, and it will give you like the actions you can take on that. So when you pick one of these, whatever you have integrated, it will pop up a modal dialog that you know, we'll take parts of that message or whatever you deem useful of that, and it will take that to send it to whatever tool you're doing and then kind of 
send a call back saying, yeah, I did something. Uh, it's, it's a pretty cool idea, if only because it's simple. But if you want to say, like, create an instant from a, uh, a message or a notice or an, something that came through, it's a very quick and easy way to do that, or any other number of things. But for what it's worth, Slack Actions are not the only thing they have. They've got a number of other API type of integration tools that don't take a lot to do. You just need that back-end listening to take some action on whatever is being communicated back and forth. So check it out. There's a lot you can start to do with it. Um, there are other tools out there, like I've been using Microsoft Teams a lot for a couple things, and they're starting to get there, but certainly nowhere as deep in the uh, API options that Slack does have right now. So I ran across uh, this lady on uh, Twitter, and it's Julia Evans, and she's made these amazing little write-ups on the various aspects of Linux administration. And it covers things such as pipes, S-trays, sockets, Unix permissions, etc. They're just awesome little almost cartoony slash write-ups slash illustrations that pack a ton of useful information to a small space. Um, you know, I, I want to initially say illustrations, but they're really just kind of bite-sized pieces of information presented in a almost comic book format. But what's unique about it is the way that she can distill that information down and make it really easy to understand and learn a couple things. So check out her work. It's really cool. Um, I'm going to try to collect some of these myself because it makes remembering what these different aspects of the OS do a whole lot easier. But a really cool idea, and I really like where she's going with that. There's another little resource that combines a couple of useful tools out there. Uh, a couple that I've used, but they're Triangulify, Particles, CSS Gradient, this Gradient Topography, and you know, oddly enough, Unsplash, which is a stock image site, but it's on a site called coolbackgrounds.io. And it's great if you need to kind of spice up your backgrounds a little bit, add some more visual interest. I especially like the Triangulify generator. It's obviously a more specialized effect that doesn't work in all instances, but I think is really cool myself. Something to kind of check out and see. Uh, the CSS gradient makes it pretty easy to kind of generate that. Um, and the gradient typo topography is one I haven't seen a ton, but it was kind of cool. Uh, taking like those topographic maps and doing a gradient with them and it's a background type of interest. It's pretty cool. And finally, uh, I saw this just recently, but there is a test pilot experiment Firefox is doing called Firefox Send. And it's send.firefox.com. It allows you to send up to one gig files that automatically expire at a given time. According to them, it encrypts the upload so that they can only see a bit of metadata, such as a file name, file hash, file size, but cannot decrypt the contents. Not sure how long this will be around since it's a test pilot, but a useful tool if you do need to send files quickly between people. I've used a lot of these over the years. Um, it's just one more of them, but if it's easy enough and they do a good job of encrypting all of it, then that could be a pretty useful tool to have. So finally, I kind of wanted to talk about a uh, topic I wrote a, a long time ago I wrote about, um, but never did really publish what I had uh, recorded, but it's about work-life balance. So I never published that one, but I've been thinking a lot more about it recently. You know, much has been written about this, 
and what is the definition of a good work-life balance and how has that changed over the years? It seems like the current iteration of this is that it means that in, instead of the prior mentality where, and I think this kind of went to just the overall American work ethic, uh, where you work as many hours as humanly possible to get as far ahead as you can, and that seems to be giving way to a more sensible approach, which is that perhaps at the end of the day, you know, when you are home, you're not worrying about work 24-7. Now, of course, the reality of the situation is that certainly is not always possible for everyone, uh, but the hope is that as companies see that more as the ideal rather than how can I squeeze as much out of folks, uh, then that is a shift towards a better uh, position. But it is tough, though, because there are often issues or concerns that you just can't stop thinking about or worrying about at work, and it's not that easy to just shut off at the end of the day. Ideally, your other team members can kind of take over when you leave, if they're on, you know, after your shift or your, you know, regular work hours, or you've managed to architect your systems in such a way that you shouldn't need to worry until you get the alert. Even in an even better situation, this would be kind of that automatic remediation that would need even less of your attention. Maybe just a note that, hey, something happened, but we fixed it. Now, all of this is kind of written or viewed from the guise of, you know, web development and, you know, the, the world of computers and, you know, what I'm in. So every industry and every situation is different. But, you know, that's a perfect world where we don't live in that. And very often things go wrong or break. You just can't get that project done in time. Depending on the job, you have more or less leeway and deadlines and what you can reasonably do. And what I've personally learned over the years, so it's certainly taken me a long time to get here, is that it's not worth constantly stressing over everything. Now, stress isn't inherently bad because I believe that it causes you to think sharper and buckle down and get things done, but too much is obviously not healthy for you. You know, and it helps to stress about the right things and knowing what those are often just takes experience. So if you ever get to the point where despite everything going on at work, you learn to take it really just one problem at a time, then you can start to relax a little, and I believe that this helps your productivity a lot. It has for me. Uh, I'm certainly not to the point where I want to be with that, but I have found that focusing on one thing at a time can make a difference. Of course, I'm still fairly scatterbrained and trying, you know, I do a lot of multitasking, and at some point, when I kind of figure out a system that works better for me, then I'll be able to take that more to heart. But the hope is that at that point, you can learn to leave work at work and take time at home to decompress and do just about anything else. You know, if you don't take that time for family, hobbies, exercise, etc., then you won't really have that release valve to help you focus. And this is important because everything will build up without that, and before you know it, you'll either burnt out or try to find excuses to do just about anything else than you're supposed to. And I touched on this a while back when I was talking about burnout, where really you're finding excuses to do anything else. And I've experienced that pretty recently as well. Just anything that comes up will be a reason for me not to work on something. And it's because it's tough. You lose interest after having to work so hard and so much that it can kind of make it difficult to really focus on what you need to. But trying to maintain that kind of balance where you like you step back and you say, okay, you know, I'm going to work from here to here, and then at that, I'm done. I'm going to do something else. 
will kind of keep a bit of focus and allow you to kind of release and be like, okay, maybe that will get done tomorrow. I don't have to worry about it right now. I can take time for myself. But ultimately, everyone's balance is different. And what everyone's tolerance for stress is different. But what is important is that you do find a balance that works for you, where you don't overly stress and you do take time for yourself and family. So I want to end on that note. So follow this podcast on Twitter at BitVBite and Facebook at slash BitVBite. Thank you so much for listening and please join us next week.